welcome to episode 53 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that rolls up a horny bar just to be a sex pest, but a show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the brazen dwarf herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing okay, thanks. Uh, pretty quiet week because I've been busy with the Forgotten Realms previews and the Commander Forgotten Realms previews, so not really had the chance to play much Magic, nor do any like freelance writing at the moment. Um, but I am hoping to do some mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms drafts soon because the set looks really, really fun from a limited perspective. It does, yeah. Although, I did do something very cathartic the other day, and I'm sure you'd appreciate this. I went through someone's mm-hmm. trade binder. Oh. You get it, right? Like, yeah, I, did, yeah, yeah. I didn't trade for anything. There was nothing I really wanted, but it was just the this the, the ability to just look through. And it's all organised as yeah. well because I suspect people have had a lot of time on their hands, so they're organising all their folders. And just mm. talking about, oh, when did you pick this card up and so forth. And it was just really cathartic. It was like, I've really yeah. missed this. It's the little things that like FNMs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Wonderful. Otherwise, I've been trying to relax more because I've been pretty busy with like work and stuff. So I picked up some mm. games in the Steam Summer Sale and I'm actually playing them, which is nice. an improvement. Um, so I picked up Zone of Enders <laughs> 2, the remaster, and I picked up Vanquish because apparently I just don't play current games anymore. I just play stuff that came out years and years ago. Fair. I do maintain, like, if you haven't, if you've never played Vanquish, it is a third-person shooter made by Sega, I believe. Sega published it, and it's done by Platinum Games, mm-hmm. who also did Bayonetta. So, if you're a fan of Bayonetta, mm-hmm. I maintain that it's one of the best third-person shooters that you know has ever been made because it's really fluid. It's really good. It's very mechanically okay. good. It's very pretty, um, and it just it just does the thing right. It's not fancy. It's just very very clean and very efficient. Um, and it's like five hours long. Nice. So, if you just want to shoot some robots go for it it's great yeah but yeah otherwise i've just been chilling out and playing some games so how about you yeah cool yeah i'm good i'm good i haven't really been playing games this week um i've just been kind of all over the place but uh yeah my article this week has a lot of things in common with this episode and that is that it's all about commander so i take three commanders from adventures of the forgotten realms i run through how to build them i dive into the archetypes the core pillars of each one and like how each one wants to sort of close out the game so that's over on Car Kingdom now if you want to go check that out. Uh, I also got a lovely care package from Wizards this week. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I got one of the new Commander Precons and I got an absolute pile of like draft boosters, set boosters, collector boosters. If you want to check out the spoils of that, I've just put them up there in the last couple of days on my Twitter at Savantir um, if you want to see them. And then outside of Magic, I went to a barbecue last night. Ooh, barbecues are great. Oh, it was great. Yeah, a friend of the show, Tom Telford. uh, I play modern and talk food stuff with him very regularly. He was organizing an outdoor barbecue with a few friends, and I absolutely jumped at the opportunity to have one of the only social interactions that I've had in the last, like, 15, 16 months. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely stuffed myself with amazing food. It was real good. I'm still full. I haven't eaten yet, so... Do you, do you have like a, a pack one, pick one at a barbecue? Do you, is this something that you just go for straight away? It depends on the barbecue. If it's a mediocre barbecue, I'll usually go for like, you know, one of the, the skewers with some like, you know, grilled veg and chicken oh, and that good. kind of stuff on it. Good. If it's a good barbecue, it's got it's going to be the burger. Yeah. But in in this case, it was the pulled pork. The like Ooh. six kilos of pulled pork that he made. Bloody hell, that sounds great. <laughs> it's just horse loads of it into me. Absolutely. That's so good. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, 
You can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and decklists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so barbecue chat aside, (laughs) I've got a card of the week this week and it is curfew. So curfew is one single blue mana for an instant that says each player chooses a creature they control and return it to its owner's hand. So it's super, super efficient in commander games. So one blue, you bounce three opposing creatures. Now you don't get to choose the creature, so it can be a benefit to an opponent if they have creatures with ETB effects, but interestingly, it also gets around stuff like protection and hexproof and stuff because you're not targeting it. You'll also end up bouncing one of your own creatures as well, which is great to replay it for value. I used it in my old Gadwick the Wizened deck to be able to reset him, bounce it back to hand, and then just you know pay another like seven or eight mana in order to draw a pile more cards. Stuff like that, yeah, it's very, very sweet for that kind of thing. Uh, 30 cents as well, like, nice. be rude not to. Nice cheap pickup. That's it. Speaking of cheap pickups, that's what this episode is all about this week. The best commander pickups for under $5. So we've talked about a couple of these cards during previous season. Uh, We decided to dive a little deeper into the set and try and find some of the cards that are not really getting the amount of attention that they probably should. Because despite the fact that this set is a lower power level, there are some really, really, really good cards in here for Commander. Like, an exceptionally high number of good Commander cards. And I really feel like this is the kind of set that, like, it's not really got a whole lot of value now because it came directly after Modern Horizons. So it's way less exciting. But, like, in a year or two's time, or, like, about a year after this rotates from Standard, people are going to be like, wait, that card is how much? Oh, it's because it was in the D&D set and we haven't seen it since. So, yeah. So these are cards all under $5.00 that are going to be incredible pickups. So, interestingly, the first one on our list is not one that I expected to be on this list, to be perfectly honest, and that's Guardian of Faith. We talked about this last week. It's one white-white for a 3-2 Spirit Knight with Flash and Vigilance, and when it enters the battlefield, any number of other target creatures you control phase out. So it's super useful for like protecting tokens, protecting creatures with auras and equipment on them, all that sorts of stuff. It's currently coming in, according to Scryfall, at 450. That's really which, cheap. Which, you know, it is closer to the end of the scale, but like for this effect, it's really, really good. This will only go up in price, I think. Yeah. Back to Ferris Protection all over again, right? Because that was fairly cheap. I know it's, it's different because that was in a Commander mm-hmm. pre-con, but that was quite cheap. And then everyone was like, oh, wow, phasing's really good in, in Commander because it stops board wipes. Uh, bye, 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 bye. Yeah. It's going to be the same here, I think. Yeah, I think one of the only downsides compared to Teferi's Protection is it doesn't act like a fog. Mm. You know, like if you have a, a lethal force coming at you and then you just like phase out all your creatures, you're still dead. But like in any other circumstance, like when it comes to protecting against board wipes and stuff, this is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. So next up is one that I'm quite excited about, and as is Scott, I suspect. Oh, yes. Um, and that is Loyal Warhound. Uh, so for one generic and a white, you get a creature dog, which is very important here. Uh, it is a 3-1 with Vigilance, and it reads, 
When Loyal Warhand enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, search your library for a basic planes card, put it into the battlefield tap, and then shuffle your library. So it is a nice nod to the Shards of Alara card, uh, Knight of the White Orchid. With easier mana demands, it's a little different than Knight of the White Orchid because the Knight allowed you to get a planes card, so you could have got a Shockland. Um, whereas in this case yep. you only get planes. However, you are trading up for a more aggressive stat line, so you get a free one out of the deal as opposed to the two-two with a knight of the white orchid. I think this mm -hmm. card's great. It's going to see play in standard. Uh, it's going to be like great in like mono white decks because it just allows you to ramp and get ahead. Um, and also, it's just yep. the best boy in all of the land. I mean, if you've seen the art, like it's majestic. Like let's be honest. Yeah. Also, just had a thought. You could you probably make good boy tribal in in standard because you have selfless savior, oh, yeah. you have loyal warhound, mm -hmm. and you have pack leader who's a lord for the good boys. So maybe there's a yep. there's a good boy on a white deck, and I might have to brew it and go O three and F and M, but be happy because I have a deck of good boys. That's how you get me back into standard anyway. That, I'll say that much. But I will wait <laughs> until Frenorel Drain rotates out because screw bone crusher giant. I mean, yeah, that's a given. Yeah, yeah for sure. When the Innistrad set hits. I'll be making good boy tribal. And there'll be like werewolves yep. and stuff, which are hopefully dogs as well. So, who knows? M maybe. Here's the hoping for an errata. All dog-like <laughs> creatures. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing I really, really like about this, and it, you said about the Knight of the White Orchid as well, is that outside of Commander, in the likes of Standard and that kind of thing, this is really, really good because this is the kind of card that works great on the draw. Because if your opponent just plays a land ahead of you, you can just, you know, play this on turn three before you play your own land, get another land, then play <laughs> a land from hand, just and now you've ramped yeah. ahead of your opponent. So this is really cool that it's aggressive enough that you don't necessarily want to board it out when you're on the play, but it's also got great catch-up ability as well. I really like this kind of card. Good blink target as well. Yeah. Like yeah, pretty good. Best boy. Next card we got up here is... An unusual one, but it's one that a lot of D&D players would be uh, used to in terms of the name, and that is Long Rest. So Long Rest is X, green, 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 for a sorcery that reads, return X target cards with different mana values from your graveyard to your hand. If eight or more cards were returned to your hand this way, your life total becomes equal to your starting life total, and then exile Long Rest. So this is an awful lot like Wildest Dreams in that you just get a bunch of cards back from the graveyard. It's a super powerful effect, and if you do happen to sink 11 plus mana into this, it can easily stabilize you later in the game as well. And like, 11 mana sounds like a lot, but, you know, it is absolutely doable. It's in Commander, you know, so it can absolutely happen. And it'll be especially useful in the likes of pod decks and everything, because, you know, if you go up a pod chain or something and then they wipe the board, you could just get every single one of them back mm -hmm. with long rest because they're different mana values. So it's not something that every deck wants, but there will be the odd time where you'd be looking for maybe a second effect of like Wildest Dreams or that kind of thing. Yeah. And this would be a great one to pick up. Yes, and because you're in green, 11 mana is nothing because you just can be ramping. Yeah. So you'd be, you'd, you get that on turn three. Exactly, you get it on like turn three or turn five, <laughs> it's fine. And you can just get everything back. If I still had my Nethory, EDH deck built, I'd put Long Rest in there for the reasons you said, mm. as in it just gets everything back and I get extra value out of it. I could see mm. this one being quite expensive eventually, just because it's Long Rest is like a very popular sort of thing you do in D&D as well. Yeah, I do think you touched on a good point there, is that a lot of the thematic stuff that is very definitely D&D related yeah. is probably going to be the pricier stuff 
after a while, you know, because you can't really just jam it into any other random set and any other random plane, you know? That too. And with stuff like D&D, it's going to attract a lot of collectors, which you don't often get with yeah. other stand- other magic sets. You're going to get D&D fans that want to collect every single card because it's a D&D set just to have in a binder, not necessarily to play it, but just to be like, oh yeah, yeah. here's this cool about long rest. And there may be a case where someone might actually just use these cards to demonstrate what they're doing in a game of D&D. Yeah, like you have like the the spellcaster cards in like D and D, and they could use these in a similar way, like as a way to help image the game. So I think there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of potential, and I think there's going to be a lot of value because there's a bigger audience that wants that demand. That's it. Speaking of cool green spells, uh, instruments of bards is one I'm quite look, I'm quite excited about just because it's got bards in the title. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, so for one green mana, you get a legendary artifact. And it reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a harmony counter on Instrument of Bards. Then you can play free and a green and tap it to search your library for a creature card with the mana value equal to the number of harmony counters on Instrument of the Bards. You reveal it, put it into your hand. If that card is legendary, you can make a treasure token and then you shuffle. Um, it's a sort of a cross between like Aethervar and Birthing Pod and Yissa and the Wandering Bard as well. This kind of combines all yep. those three. Um, and yes, sounds quite good in like mono green commander deck. So like this is probably going to fit in there. It's got a lot of potential. Um, it's just great in toolbox decks. So if you play like birthing pod decks, um, this is a really good one to find because you can run loads of legendaries. It's a really good one to get uh, like a Cisse off, and then you get the Cisse yeah. that gets all the other legendaries. And it seems like a lot of the bard cards are very legendary matters. So you get you mm. you get rewarded for playing legendary cards like the. Bard class, the enchantment, the grill one that rewards yeah. you for playing legendaries. So if you're in like a Naya or grill coloring, like this, just seems seems great. Um, and hmm. especially in like grill commander decks, a lot of them are legendary matters anyway because you have stuff like Xenagos. Yeah, you know, you have all these big massive yep. creatures which are often legendary. So yeah, it seems slam dunk, and it's one mana, and it just seems very powerful. Big yeah, absolutely. Next one up is Grazalax, Illithid Scholar. So one blue blue for a 3-2 legendary horror. It reads, whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. And whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, draw a card. So this is super effective card draw for decks that want to be attacking with creatures quite regularly, but don't necessarily want to lose those creatures. So it's very similar to the likes of Cunning Evasion, which is a two-mana enchantment from Modern Horizons 1 which had the text when for a creature you control becomes blocked you may bounce back to your hand and decks like Anuan the Ruin Thief and Yuriko Tiger Shadow are the kind of decks that ran that where they don't want their creatures to get killed they want to make sure that they can get through sometimes in those sort of decks you have to attack knowing that you're going to lose some of your attackers and this kind of effect prevents those attackers from getting blocked and killed which is super super good uh, particularly good in Yuriko because you're able to bounce back ninjutsu creatures that are blocked yeah. so that you can then just ninjutsu them right back in again which is pretty sweet so yeah it's really good for specifically I think those two commanders in particular there are a few others that would really like this as well like uh, like Tetsuko and that kind of thing but yeah it's cheap at the moment it's about $2 mm. so probably worth picking up so next up uh, we have another powerful creature called Zorn. So Zorn is for two generic and a red. You get a 3-2 that is a creature elemental. 
and it breeds. If you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead of create those tokens plus an additional treasure token. This feels very similar to Academy Manufacturer, which we talked about in episode 49, uh, the Modern Horizons 2 yeah. episode. And just any form of token multipliers, especially ones that benefit resources, just seem really, really powerful. Um, and there seems to be a lot of emphasis on treasure in in Modern Horizons 2 and in D&D. So there's going to be a lot of treasure, Absolutely. just a really lot of good ramp, a lot of good treasure cards. And Zorn allows to do that in a colour that doesn't often allow you to ramp. Mm. Making additional treasure is really scary. It's just it's just really, really powerful and you can just ramp into big threats and just get ahead of the curve, you know. Um, it's just, a, I think it's an effect you just always want in red, just given how much you lean into artifacts as well. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Now, I've got a strange one because I feel like no one's been looking at this, like pretty much at all. And, you know, upon first glance, you'll kind of understand. And that's leather armor. So leather armor, not one of the fancier pickups in D&D either, but it's one generic mana for an artifact equipment that has equipped creature gets plus O plus one and has ward one. So whenever an equipped creature becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you counter it unless that player pays one. And it has equip zero, but it has a caveat that you can only activate once each turn. So let's be straight up about this. It's not swift buff boots, but it is definitely better than it reads. So first of all, free equip is great. That's fantastic. This is a one mana pseudo protection spell. Ward, generally speaking, disincentivizes interaction. It doesn't prevent it like Hexproof does, but People aren't going to want to have to spend their entire turn three or whatever it is tapping out just to be able to, you know, sword something. You know, they're going to want to make sure they don't fall behind in the game. So it disincentivizes interaction with that creature until the opponent's going to feel less taxed for it. So it gives you more time with that creature. You know, you might just need it to stick around for a couple of turns so you can get some value. That's totally fine. What's interesting as well is it can be grabbed with a trinket mage which is quite nice. That is nice. I, I, anything that could be grabbed with a Trinket Mage, I'll always point it out because I love me a Trinket Mage. So, so. I can tell you played one of Blue Tron. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, like, look, it's like 40 cents. You'd be crazy not to just pick a couple of these up. Like, pick up a playset for, like, under a dollar and just have them sitting there, you know? You'll, you'll find use for them. And uh, next up, we have another red card uh, that is Plundering Barbarian. So for two generic and a red, mm. you get a 2-2 that is a Creature Dwarf Barbarian. And the, cre- the card reads, when Plundering Barbarian enters the battlefield, choose one. You get to destroy target artifact, or you get to create a treasure token. Modular cards seem quite good in Commander because it allows you to do multiple things at different points of the game. So it doesn't feel like a dead card. So if you have this in your opening, it's like, oh, cool, I can use it to ramp. I can trade it for treasure or I can remove like a soul ring or an arcane signet or you know some yeah. problematic artifact on the battlefield because there will be you're in a pod of commander everyone plays artifacts um, and that's one thing I love about this set it just gives it's a lot of modular choice and it's the choices mm-hmm. always seem relevant and the cards rarely seem dead so having yeah. more of these sort of options in your commander deck just feels great like I'm a big fan of it and plus I was also on a side note I appreciate the flavor text on the on the options so for instance with destroy target artifact you have smash the chest as if you're making a decision like you're playing D, which is something i really appreciate yeah absolutely yeah cards like this are fantastic another good one is uh you find a cursed idol yes and you find the villain's lair mm, the Those kind of cards yeah. super super good yeah like 
Because if you don't need a counterspell and you just need to loot some stuff away, that's really good as well. Like, I, I sure, I even did an article on this, like, a couple of weeks ago on exactly why modal cards like this are so good. But, yes. Yeah, absolutely. They're just fantastic. What I like about this set in particular, Plundering Barbarian is a great example of this, is that they lowered the power level in order to make sure that, you know, once rotation happens that we're not going to get absolutely reamed out of it by, like, D&D being broken in half or something. But, unlike a core set, the complexity is through the roof. Which means that, like, none of it feels boring at all. You know, like, these, these commons have, like, seven lines of text on them. You know, and like this is good. It's it's a good kind though, isn't it? It's not the Strixhaven problem where you just see a wall of text and you're just like, I still don't know what this does. Like at least yeah. with the D and D set, it's yes, it's modular, but it's easy to read, and you've got a little bit of flavor text just for D and D players mm. to kind of understand what's happening, yep. which is great. And I can't sing it enough. I'm like we're big into D and D, so of course we're gonna appreciate this. But it's just a really cool thing to see. For sure, absolutely. And then the final card on our list of pickups is Unexpected Windfall. So this is two red-red for an instant that reads, as an additional cost to cast this spell, discard a card. And it says, draw two cards and create two treasure tokens. So this is Pirate's Pillage, except it's at instant speed, which is pretty good. You know, there are some decks that want to have this kind of effect where you want to be able to discard some cards and draw some cards and make some treasure tokens. To be perfectly honest, I would not be surprised to see this showing up regularly in just mono-red decks. Mono-red decks that aren't just like straight-up burn decks would probably want something like this because it's got really good card filtering and it ramps you a little bit, albeit temporarily, but, you know, it ramps you a little bit for the following turn or the turn after. It's just neat. Think it's it's just neat. <laughs> I think it's neat. Yeah, I'm just going to gesture at this yeah. potato card. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a potato, though. It's really good. It's good. I think it's good. Um, I've seen like people play it in Limited to good effect, and I think in Commander it's good, because it just does all the things you kind of want to do in red, right? It's just like You could make a case you could probably run it in Storm as well, just as another way to you know draw some cards, get some treasure. Yeah, there's a lot of good things you could do with this. And for like 20 cents, absolute steal. Imagine it with Thousand Year Storm. Oh, don't get me excited. <laughs> I have absolutely untapped with the Thousand Year Storm and cast a couple of cantrips followed by a Pirate's Pillage before. And yes, it is exactly as good as you might think it feels. <laughs> so, yes, nice. this is absolutely my jam. <laughs> right, so, like I said, that is the last card on the list of best commander pickups for under $5 from this set. And bear in mind, this set is just out. Like... As we're recording this, we're still waiting for the paper release. Yeah. And these cards are all under $5. Yeah. So you could wait a week or two to pick these up and you'd probably be fine. There are a couple where I would play it safe and probably get them sooner than later. The one that sort of stands out to me in particular is Guardian of Faith. Um, You would really want to make sure to pick that up before it rises in price. I would say. Also, it's just a good opportunity to kind of pick up standard stuff for future standards. So we're thinking of, you know, when rotation happens in September, when Cone of Eldraine, Akoria, Corset 20, I believe, or Corset yeah. 21, and uh, Theros all rotate out. So that means standard's going to be actually interesting and playable for the first time in two years. Yeah. Which also means cards like from the D&D set and 
the legal sets before it are going to mm-hmm. become quite pricey because they have a purpose in the format. They don't die to bone crush a giant or, you know, get mm. outvalued by a natural innkeeper. So it's kind of a good idea just to kind of pick up stuff such as like Guardian of Faith and just yep. sit on them because they'll probably go up the second, you know, these cards are actually can actually see some impact because, you know, we're past the ghost of 2019, 2020. You might not play with them straight away and that is completely fine, but it might save you money long term It's because they might double in value at some point. Yep, absolutely. Anytime you have an opportunity to pick up some cheap cards that you're sure you can find a home for at some point, it's probably probably worth grabbing. Yeah. Yep. So, before we get into Q&A, Emma, there's got to be more cards that we're excited to pick up. So people ask us sometimes like what we're looking forward to getting. And, you know, a lot of the time our lists, like this one, the Budget Commander pickups, encompass what we also want to get, uh-huh. you know, because we tend to want to pick up the things that we think are probably good pickups, you know. <laughs> but are there any others for yourself or for any particular formats that you're looking at some cards here? Yeah, so there is a couple. Um, mostly whenever I look at a new set or when you know the previews are complete or complete and done, I tend to look at my cube. And if for people who follow me, I have a peasant cube, which I'm quite attached to and quite proud of. Um, so often I will just sift through like the commons and uncommons and just look through them all and think, is there any I want to add to my cube? Often there's like two or three. Uh, Modern Horizons 2 was quite big because the set was quite powerful. Um, so for, for my cube, for my peasant cube, I'm very excited about Bag of Holding because that has been downshifted from a rare to an uncommon. Mm-hmm. And I think that card is fantastic. And I've played with Bag of Holding in D&D, so it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of like, nostalgia there as well. Um, I'm also interested in Horde Robber, which is one that you brought up recently. The one that when it attacks, you make a treasure mm. token. That could be quite interesting. And then there's Gretchen Titchwillow, which is the, the Simic legendary uncommon. That whenever you play yes. a land, you draw. It's like a mini tatty over. You draw a card when you play a land. Um, mm. So they're the cards I'm thinking about for cube. Portable holes, one that I'm considering, but then prismatic ending is just better. So I don't know if I want yeah. either or, or both. Otherwise, I'm looking at the the rule book frame land cards. You know the ones that look like the playbook, the player's yeah. handbook, because they look really really cool. Because um, I absolutely I love the aesthetic of them. Um, I want to pick them up, not to play with them, but I want to get them framed because I think we're hitting at a point, especially in the D and D set, where magic cards are starting to feel like pieces of art and not necessarily magic cards themselves. And they have that duality, and I just think it'd be really cool to have them framed. And then like a friend comes over and goes, "Oh hey, you know, like I've never seen these player handbooks before." And I'm like, "They're not. They're magic cards. They're playable legal magic cards." Yeah. And you know, and it kind of generates that sort of conversation. So I'd love to pick up those at some point. Also, in modern, yeah. I want to pick up Treasure Vault because that card is stupid, and I want to build Affinity, and it's an artifact land that comes in untapped. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you have the opportunity to pick up Treasure Vault as well, yeah, that do so because it's. It's real good. Also, I'm kind of interested in picking up the Grandmaster of Flowers for standard at a future point because I really want to build Mono White and I really like the design of that card, which is the one that yeah, sweet. becomes a 7-7 dragon once you hit a certain amount of loyalty. I just think it's a cool mm. top end in like Mono White decks. Um, but that's pretty much me. What about you? So, as far as Commander goes, I've, I've pretty much listed off like all of the random cards that I'm interested in, like pretty much everything that we've mentioned so far in this episode. I'm looking forward to picking some up for mm. either, like we said, to hold on to when we might need them later or for existing decks already. The other things that I haven't talked about are the commanders. I'm interested in Volo Guide to Monsters. 
he's actually one of the commanders that I talk about in my article this week because they're just really fun to build mm. like I had normally when I sit down to to build a deck it can take me a long time because I want to make sure that I catch all the little synergies and little interactions and stuff and they influence the choices of cards going in and I feel good when I do that and I nail it right yeah. that's why it normally takes me a long time to do it it can get frustrating though if you're sitting there and it's you're like three hours in and you're like this deck still isn't done but with Volo I was three hours in and I was still having fun because I was trying to find like oh is there a is there a sponge that does this effect or something yes. or what's another creature type I'm trying to think of are tigers a thing like and, and just searching Scryfall for all sorts of like weird creature types and stuff and finding new cards and just doing all sorts of mad stuff it, it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun to build that so I'm kind of looking forward to that and also for Commander I kind of want to build uh, Trellisar and Moon Druid yeah which is coincidentally another one of the commanders I talk about in this week's article it's just really sweet Johnny's private is a great card make it a commander like what more could you want like and then give it access to green like good god and you can run a Johnny's (laughs) private in the main board what more could you want value that's it as for modern I'm afraid I've got a problem and that problem is I don't want to spend money on demi liches that card is nuts I really want to play demi liches but I can't justify like another sixty, seventy dollars for a playset. Yeah, it's one of those. Of cards. It's just one of those cards that's just going to get better the older the format is. Like I watched yeah. Aspiring Spike the other uh, the other week play like um, it's like Red Blue Paris Blitz, and he just played four Demi Liches for zero mana on the same turn, and it's just like, yep, that's completely fine in modern. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's neat. Everyone's going to do that now. <laughs> God, so good. I'm, I'm okay with that personally. I'm oh, definitely I'm, okay, I'm okay with, with it too. I think it's a great play, but it's just like people were a bit reserved on it, weren't they? Because it's just like, oh, it's a four free. But it's like, yeah, but you, you read the rest of the text? Like, it does yeah. other things. Um, you can play it for free. So, yeah, that yeah. card seems sweet. I don't know if it's going to see any play in Legacy, but I wouldn't be surprised because you, you have so many It wouldn't spells. shock me now. Yeah. yeah. As for other modern cards, I share your sentiment with Treasure Vault, as I've said already because I, too, am looking into building Affinity. That's a bit of a, a longer game plan for me. I'm just Same. picking it up piecemeal and, yeah. And the final card, then, is Wish, because we talked about Wish before, where, you know, I might put it into yeah. Twiddlestorm, where I can have, like, one Grapeshot main, one Grapeshot side, and an Empty the Warrens, maybe, and uh, Aria of Flame and all sorts, and yeah. just that's be able to wish for whatever I need at the time, you know? And, yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah. Nice. So, rounded out the show, Emma, what mm-hmm. Q&A have we got this week? So we've got a handful of questions this week. Uh, the first one is from Barbarian's Riddle. Uh, they ask, are low-powered sets such as Ixalan, Rivals of Ixalan, or now the Forgotten Realms, an opportunity to pick up really good tech before it spikes? Remembering dive down of Raska's Contempt's price highs of going up to 5 to $10 respectively, what looks like a good pickup from AFR? See above. Uh, I guess yeah. <laughs> a lot of cards from this episode uh, to be honest it's almost completely like if I was to throw all my chips down on a card right now probably Guardian of Faith yes you know it, it shouldn't be the price that it is well it's not that it shouldn't be the price that it is most it should cards be. should be no more than the cost of Guardian of Faith yeah. but will it stay at that price probably uh, not com- once people realise that it is actually very good yeah. yeah also a shout out to any of the colour hoses 
the ones that do stuff if someone plays like a particular card of a certain color you often get those in yes. like core sets and they tend to be quite good um not necessarily in a sense of their staples but they're really good cyborg tech in older formats um and sometimes they go yep. up to silly prices stuff like i know veil of summer is a, a weird example because it's a very powerful card um but that is a color hoser yeah. and corsets tend to have those even though dnd is not a corset but it sort of is um picking up like a set of each of the color hoses just seems fine because it's just great cyborg tech for future modern standard decks or pioneer if you still play that that's it like divine smite is actually yeah. pretty good yeah yeah one white instant target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls phases out and if that permanent's black exile it instead you can just phase something out on upkeep they just don't have access to it for that turn or get rid of a death shadow get rid of a scourge of skyclaves get rid of a liliana of the veil like there are so many good targets for this that it's absolutely a perfectly reasonable cyborg card i think i agree um, so we've got a question from a friend of the show, Jason Coles. They ask, uh, which planeswalker would be the best lover and which would be the worst and why? What kind of question? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Whew. I'm going to cheat and say Nissa and Chandra because they should be canonically together. I mean, they, they are. We're just going to refute any claims otherwise. But... Yeah, I I would go with Gideon because I, I think I think Gideon's whole spiel is just I want to care for everyone else. Yeah. And like that's a pretty good way to approach things. Yes, so. I agree. Also yeah. probably a Johnny, but a Johnny would probably be more interested in boxes because he's a cat. Maybe. Um as for worst uh, Davriel, probably. Probably, yeah. Um Nicobolus because he's in the prison realm. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's one thing you definitely can't take away from him, and that's the fact of how horny he is. Have you seen the lad? Uh, uh, <laughs> circle back to the introduction. The, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the one thing I will say about Davriel probably being the worst lover, uh, because they, he just seems super stuck up and super like into himself. You know? Well, <clears throat> he's played in Rack, so yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like the one time where I don't agree with Eat the Rich. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And lastly, we have a tweet from Evie the Beige. Uh, they just tweet in to say, for anyone looking to pick up modern staples out of Modern Horizons 2, Prismatic Ending is $3 and is the real deal. Mm. Uh, White is a sorcery that just eliminates permanence at, at best, you know, for one for one rate. And funnily enough, we were talking about Prismatic Ending before we started recording because we thought this card is really, really good. Um, it yeah. it deals with, like, the troublesome one mana permanence. So you've got lots of stuff like Amnit of Vigor, Death Shadow... You know, it's it's just very, very versatile. Um, and you can just, like, play it in white decks. You don't necessarily need to be in multiple colours to get the most out of it. Also, yeah. Evie the Mage just says, keep up the great work. We're both awesome. So thanks, mate. Thanks. Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, 
Everett Brogan, Tom Telford, Alex Gibson, Jeff Eaton, and Bo Schwartz-Madsen. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.